Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders Live. In this podcast, I ask a special guest to select and talk about the seven wonders of his or her world. This episode is one of several we recorded in front of a live audience at the 2022 Edinburgh Festival Fringe. In this particular recording, my guest is an always entertaining Scottish comedian who's been performing his stand-up shows in Edinburgh, usually in a kilt, on every fringe since the year 2000. So here we are with an enthusiastic Edinburgh Fringe audience exploring the seven wonders of Craig Hill. <laughs> well done, Craig. That's quite difficult. Yes, yeah, so you're sort of limboing in a kilt as well. Oh, oh, this is like... too close. I've never said that before. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I shall cross my legs and see what happens. There you are. <laughs> there are co- Look at that woman. That's disgusting. <laughs> there are consequences to crossing your what... legs in public in a kilt. Oh, was, it, was that an up-kilt shot she was taking? No, she did that. She was, oh, she was right, hoping okay. for, for right. more than she's ever going to get. Yes, I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> So Craig Hill, it's a good, it's a memorable name. It does sound a bit like an address, doesn't it? It's really funny. The taxi driver on the way here asked me if that was my real name. Yes. Which I thought was really strange because I think that's, I, th- I think my name is a little bit boring. It's just, a, it's a syllable. It's, it's do, do. And I was thinking if I had to change my name, I would have, if I'd chosen a name for yeah. on stage, I would have chosen La 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 La. It would have had three syllables. I thought that would have been better. Clive Anderson. But, well, <laughs> hashtag little bit gel, little bit jealous. Uh, but yeah, and uh, when I was at drama college, they said, you know how in drama college they have to check if your name yes, has been taken yeah. by anyone? And luckily, Craig Hill wasn't taken, other than the 1930s wonderful actor, Craig Hill, from many, many years ago. Isn't there ago. an American actor called Craig Hill? Yeah, 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 yeah. And all oh, black and white movies. Yes. I'm assuming he's not around. But um, anyway, so well, no one... Who, who I was trying to book today, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, it's that wee Scottish guy. Um, but yeah, so um, I didn't have to use it. But they said, I suddenly thought, well, you know how you have to come up with an alternative name just in case? All right. So um, weirdly, I mean, this is a very non-Scottish middle name that I have. So my name, I would have used my middle name and my middle name is Carruthers. So I would have been Craig Carruthers. I would have been oh. called that. What about comedian. Carruthers Hill? That would have been a I think Carruthers, I mean, he sounds, he sounds richer than me, doesn't yeah. he? He sounds like somebody could be in a Hitchcock movie. He like sounds like somebody who could be actually successful. <laughs> Dr. I, I, Watson played by Carruthers yeah, Hill. I think if I, yeah, exactly. I think yeah. if I'd been an actor, I, I would yeah. have been quite a grand actor played by Carruthers Hill. Let, let's just move on to your title of your show, because you always have good titles for your shows. Yeah, they're always you? cheeky double entendres. Uh, well, Jock's Trap, uh, <laughs> get, give, give him an inch. Uh, that, was a, that was a good one. Uh, playing with my selfie. <laughs> well, sure. I had a selfie. Yeah. <laughs> it was innocent as long as you've got a selfie pic in the picture. So what's your show called this year? Well, I'll tell you, uh, before I build up to that, I'll tell you a couple of my favourites. I don't know if the audience have been to see me before or not, but my favourite was Why Don't You Come Down the Front? Because people are always frightened to sit in the front because I engage with the audience so much. And uh, I mean, it's perfectly innocent. And uh, there was one once, this was one of my favourite posters. I was in um, New York and like Marilyn Monroe, I was winning a kilt and the great actually lifted by kilt. And I thought, this is amazing. Mm. So we did a photo shoot of me wearing a white kilt with a white shirt. And, but we had to obviously, you know, have a fan in the photograph. And so I thought the fan made the, this, this title a lot more innocent. Mm. And the show was called Blown by a Fan, which I thought was really beautiful. But this year, this year yeah. it's called, <laughs> it's always innocent in my head. Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, that's, good. that's a good title. Yes. <laughs> um, no, so this year my show is called um, I Always Knew I Had It In Me, because I did. All right. 
Because I always knew I was going to end up doing, well, I don't you, know if I did, but I thought I was going to be a performer. Yeah. And I had a suspicion I might be homosexual. <laughs> and, and what's become of that suspicion? Is that... Um, it's confirmed. <laughs> I've practiced yeah. and they've, they've sent me an email and told me, yes, you passed. <laughs> so you went to drama college, what, with the intention of being an actor or did you always want to be a comedian? No, no, I went to drama college. I, t- I tell you, my, do you want to know my real reason for going to drama college? I was a hairdresser in Glasgow and I thought students looked like they had more fun than anyone and I was right they have a fantastic life and I just thought I'd like to be a student and I didn't know what to study yeah. so I went to this uh, the, I went to this one year course in Battlefield in Glasgow first of all in Langside College and I, there was nursing there was everything else and then I saw this drama course and I thought oh I used to act when I was younger and I thought oh I'd quite like to mm. quite like to do that again so I did the drama course and then I then I got into so drama what, college. So what age was that? You were a little bit um, older than... Yeah, so I was a hairdresser from 17... I know it's hard to believe, it's kind of wasted with my <laughs> hair, my non-hair. But 17 till 20, and then I went to this one-year course in Glasgow, and then I got into drama college in Edinburgh, which is why I've ended up living in Edinburgh for the last 30 years. Oh, right. Oh, so you're not just here for the... I always seem you just turn up for the fringe. That's what everyone thinks. No, yeah. no, no, I, li- I actually live in Edinburgh. I, I love the fringe. I get so excited. But, well, because you come to me. Another good title. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this show's yeah. right yes. itself. Somebody write this down. I'm going to use this tonight. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm, I have to tell you, I've one of the interviews I'm doing for BBC Radio 4, we've already done the interview, but it's on Saturday, is with Alan Cumming. Uh, so he's he's got a whole sequence of titles he could use yes, he to has, upstage and, you. And he does, does he not have a, a, a kind of nightclub or something? Um, yes. It's got it's a play on words as yes, well, isn't it? I can't yeah, think yeah, what it's called. Yeah, but. It's, no, another guy was in it. it it's, he has his dressing room. It's called that. It's coming out the, it's the got, coming it's room bit, or something. Yeah, there's something yeah. a little bit yes, cheeky. A bit, yes, you you two should get together. But uh, I, I did sing for him once. Did you? Yeah, he was doing. It, what was it? What was it called? He, he did it in the hub during the Fringe, and it was after his show. It was like late night coming or something. Yeah. And I was in the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, weirdly, I was next to Tom Allen because we were friends, and we were yeah. sitting in the audience. And somebody said Alan Cumming was about to sing, and then he said, um, "Does anyone else um, sing?" And some lesbian went, "The wee gay guy does." in that lovely broad Scots yes. way and I didn't really want to sing he said and then um, I got up and I sang it was really lovely because I didn't know I was going to do it and yeah. I'd had a couple of drinks and I sang the, uh, a lovely song called The Nearness of You oh. and I sang it to Alan Cumming as he stood by the piano and a builder videoed it I don't know why a builder was interested in me but he videoed some of it and he cut it off before the end so I've got a little video of it but um, right. I've never I've never shared it but it's a lovely it's a lovely moment so yeah I've met oh, him he's lovely oh yeah he's in his show called Burn about Robert I know. I'm a, this is. I, I don't know how you feel, but see, when you're working in the fringe, I get so jealous of you, pay punters, because you can go and see everything, and I, I find it hard to do that when you're yeah. you're so focused on your job. Yeah. You don't really have as much time as you think you have, or maybe we just drink that's too much. That's a long. That's a long speech which you use when somebody says, "Have you seen my show?" Say, oh, look, I'd love to. Have done I'd love that. to. I'd you know, love my to. show's on at seven. What, what time is your show on? Uh, my show's on at seven fifteen. Yes, that's, that's quite a good time actually, because yeah. I'm finished by eight fifteen. Yeah. So there are. I, I will go and see shows not in the first week you tend to just work on your okay. show so I think after that I've already yeah. booked to go and see a couple of things already so maybe things are in about nine from then on Craig it's been a joy talking to you <laughs> unfortunately we haven't had time to do any of your seven wonders so uh, so let, let's crack on with those so your first I really thought you were going to wrap it up no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's never going to shut up he's a Scotsman no, no this is this is good uh, so uh, the first wonder that came to me on your list that you sent in so because sometimes people have forgotten what they've sent in so I'll remind you the first one is cycling. I know. Look at look at his face. Yeah. His, his whole face was full of disdain. 
<laughs> like the taxi driver on the way here who said, yeah. I bloody hate cyclists. And I thought, well, I can't tell him I cycle because yeah. this girl came right out in front of us. Oh, right. Now, it's interesting because, you know, the audience, I don't know if the audience really understand. The, 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 the sh- you say Seven Wonders, it sounds like I've disappointed you doesn't because it's not the Grand Canyon. Mm. But it's seven things that I think make my life better. Mm. And cycling, um, cycling became a real passion for me because I used to, well, I'm, I think I'm a closet square I think I'm actually quite boring underneath it all. And I used to live in Morningside in Edinburgh and I realised there was a railway line that used to go all the way around Edinburgh, like a circular system. And I thought, why didn't they keep that? That would have been fantastic. And then I started, I realised most of it had been turned into cycle paths that's psychopaths, not psychopaths. And I started cycling around Edinburgh and I suddenly thought, this is one of the most peaceful things I've ever done. And I, because I do a job which is kind of hyperactive and I'm quite a hyperactive person, you wouldn't think I'm the kind of person who likes calm things, but I am. And I found the cycling was the noise pollution. It was lovely. There was no noise. There was no traffic. There was no cars coming towards you. It didn't feel dangerous. Mm. And uh, and it's all full of, you know, it's leafy. I mean, honestly, I think I'm a square and a hippie. And I, I really fell in love with cycling, specifically around Edinburgh at that time. And then I started cycling in other cities and I suddenly realised you really could see much more than you could walking uh, in public transport. When you, like in Berlin, I know Berlin quite well now because I've cycled all over it. Yeah. And I can really put that in London as well. I can really put the map together. So I like the perspective it gives you um, on the city, on the map, but also I like the um, the, the physical perspective of uh, the kind of raised perspective on a bike. Like, no, I don't do it in a race. Yeah. I do it on a, I'm very Dutch. Do you know, I like the idea, like on a, on a, a high bike. I just love the, the... So you're high up with a basket. No, yeah, you're not I, uh, like a <laughs> racing bike. That no, no, no. I would have yeah. a full length skirt if they would let me. <laughs> I'd be like a proper Dutch girl. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just think they look fantastic. But I know I like the idea of um, what you can see in the city. And I love the idea of being spontaneous and changing your mind at the last minute and suddenly finding a whole part of the city you didn't know. So yes. I think it's the quickest way to get to know a city in a very short amount of time. But I've got another little interesting story I want to share with you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is exciting. I don't know how many people uh, know Edinburgh this well, right? You'll love this. Even without knowing you that well, Clive, (laughs) I think you'll like it. Um, During lockdown, the bike, I think, saved my life because you know how you had that hour out the house and you had to go for a walk? And most people end up going for the same walk and within two weeks, you're really bored. So I suddenly thought, well, if you had the bike and you wrote down a list of places you wanted to go to in Edinburgh to explore them, you could, as long as it was 15 minutes cycle there, half an hour of photographs and taking it all in, then 15 minutes back. And then I would study it. So I, I found this book called 111 Things in Edinburgh You Shouldn't Miss. Yeah. And it was up. It changed my lockdown. I, I really loved lockdown because I had my bike yeah. and every day I wrote down a different place. And one of the most interesting things was I found out that Charles Dickens, when he was in Edinburgh, um, I think in the late 1800s, uh, 1900s, 1800s. 1800s. Yeah, 1800s. In the 19th century. Yeah. yeah, he was in Edinburgh. And I love this story. He was in the Cannon Gate and he went to the graveyard, Cannon Gate graveyard, and he saw a grave of a man from Fife called Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy. Oh. And it said on his grave, he was a mean man. And Charles Dickens wrote in his diary, mm. what kind of life would somebody have had yeah. where you would actually have it engraved on your, your, yeah. you know, your diary? Um, he was a mean man. Yeah. And he misread it. It said he was a mealman. Yeah. And it's true. <laughs> it's true. And Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy was a really kind yes. um, uh, corn merchant from... 
I think Kirkcaldy. Yeah. Uh, but he was from Fife. And I just loved that he was actually, that, that Charles Dickens, nobody uh, would know that, um, you know, uh, the Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge is a man from Fife. Yeah. I just love that. So that's what I loved about Sigmund. Well, that's a very good story. But Dickens spent a lot of time trying to think of the right names for people. Yeah, and I, mean, I, tried, been... I tried to find that grave, but I think in 1938 they lifted, they didn't know it was special. Oh. So they dug up that graveyard and that, that grave doesn't exist. But the, the story does. And because Charles Dickens wrote it in his diary, you know it's true. Yeah. So that was the, the thing was, the cycling, I think, saved me during lockdown because it gave me an adventure. Mm. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm not sneering at cycling. It's obviously a very good thing to do. Just I've had some unhappy experiences in cycling and this is cycling. As cross- a cyclist? Or? As a cyclist, yes. So I had a bad, ac- well, quite a bad accident when I was 11. But I cycled on afterwards. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, didn't end my uh, cycling. And it just it so happens, I've left, uh, I've left home. I'm away from home at the moment from London. And in in quick succession, there's been a murder just uh, over the road, just down the road from where I am. It's, it's all in the news: a 15-year-old boy being stabbed. To oh death. no! And there's been a big flood because of the the uh, main water main bursting. And my wife's coping with all this, and then she found oh, she had a bicycle stolen. So she's got one of these Brompton bikes. She doesn't use it that often, but she cycled it to the the British Museum of all places, chained and, it up. With, I love that the yeah. British Museum well, yeah, of all yeah. places. Well, I don't know people. I think there'd be a decent sort at the door there. Yeah. You know, the sort people would see what. What's going on to, to, to steal it? Yeah, you have to it's bring a bit those, too visible, but, isn't but it? But why don't people intervene and say, well, you know, what are you doing there? You can't. Work. Maybe they thought it was their bike. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't obvious. But yeah, I'm always worried that someone's going to steal my bike. Mm. And it's funny, isn't it? You wouldn't think something is. And do this sounds this sounds really weird. Even in New York, I went to New York, and my friend said you did not cycle around New York, and yeah. I said I did. I wanted to go to Williamsburg. I wanted to go to the Bronx, right. and I just thought it was easier than anything else. And the thing that surprised me about New York is it's actually better designed for cycling than you would imagine. So. All the way from um, what's it called Hell's Kitchen, all the mm. way down to uh, the, what's it called the the sh- I don't know it's the Hudson really, but all the way down. Yeah. That's a cycle path all the way, and it's completely separate from the road, so it's oh, not dangerous. Okay. And the other thing is, if you if you are on Fifth Avenue, the thing that surprised me is it's all one way, so there's no one coming towards you. I'd never noticed that before until I was on the bike, and I thought. I can't believe I feel safe on a bike in New York. So, yeah, so that's one okay. of my wonders. I think right. it's one oh, of it's my good, joys good in life that's happened yeah. later to me okay. in life. That I all right, cycling, uh, very good. And you know, uh, I, oh, I was just going to say, but in Edinburgh isn't, doesn't strike me as the best yeah, it city doesn't. for cycling. It, I used to never cycle the, the hill, in Edinburgh. The cobbles. Yeah, the, so I, I saved trams. my cycling yeah. for other cities. I didn't yeah. really do it in Edinburgh. I did it in <laughs> Lisbon or Porto or yeah. anywhere. I just, I love hiring a bike. Even in, you know, in the UK, I, I was in Nottingham a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing I did was hire a bike. Yes. And oh, I love the canals. Um, the, people don't really think of Edinburgh having a canal, but the canal system in Edinburgh is lovely, and it goes all the way to Glasgow. And then um, bet- I think between Bath and Bristol, there's a beautiful anywhere cycling on a canal is just yeah. it's an absolute joy. I feel until like, you fall in, if somebody until you yeah, fall yeah, in, yeah. Like, you know, cycle safely and don't be an idiot. My yeah. goodness, don't yeah. fall in the water. Okay, all right, cycling, cycling is very good. Now we we'll go on to your next wonder, which is Google Maps. I know this sounds really boring, doesn't it? This is the part of me that's really square. Now this is um, well, I'll tell you how this started. I was in um, Reykjavik with my friend who was Icelandic and we went for a coffee and she said it was really nice to see you but that was the worst coffee I've ever had. Mm. And we went around the corner and there was a wee coffee shop with busted sofas, with homemade scones, with this lovely couple who were so happy that we came there, mm. nice independent business. And uh, they were playing Dolly Parton on a record player, my mm. kind of thing. <laughs> and I said to her, I've had an epiphany. 
I said, I'm never going to waste a coffee ever again. I've just realised I have six nights in Reykjavik and I've got six um, drinks, six, six lunches, six dinners. And if I go in, if any of them are bad, it's my fault. It's because I've not done the research. So I started um, looking on Google Maps in advance of going places as if I was flying above the place. I, yeah. I often go to bed at night choosing a city of my choice. And I'll was, I was, I was start to future choose. I don't even know it's an expression. And um, I didn't realise if you like a place or find a place or someone recommends a place, you can save it on your favourites. And it's a love heart. So I have a love heart list all over the world now. And it's a, an absolute joy. And now I get excited, more excited about doing comedy in other cities like do you know, like I know in, I know in um, when I go to, is it Birmingham? There's a place called, um, I don't know, it's called York's. Um, anyway, I get more excited about going to places for, for breakfast and lunch yeah. and dinner you can't do because you're doing stand-up comedy or bars as well. So I save, and I notice that when people go on holiday and they, they often say, oh, we went to whatever, Brazil, for the life of them, they can't remember the name of the restaurant or where mm. they went. So my, the, my, the, the reason I love Google Maps is it's allowed me to save I have a really, I could almost do a travel blog now. Um, all the, one of my favourite places I've either um, been to or want to go to or have uh, recommended or read about. Yeah. And, and just the whole idea that when we were travelling around Scotland, you know, when you were first allowed out in Scotland, um, we, well, we didn't go abroad, you know, yeah. during lockdown. Um, I was able to look at viewpoints in advance and when we were travelling over thinking actually this is just imagine having all this information at your fingertips viewpoints waterfalls yeah. castles so I thought yeah go Google Maps because yeah. in the old past you, in the old in the old past yeah. in the old days you would have to have had quite a a, gen, a good general knowledge of where everything was or be patient with a big map yeah. and I think it's quite liberating this unbelievable amount of information about what something looks like how much something costs you know what the menu is I, I, I find it liberating so, I think so you're changed. using more than just some people might do and I say some people, I mean me, just might use Google Maps just to get from A to B. Yeah, you no. make a note of the place or give yeah. it a rating. or Because you've got to keep updating it. Because if you went back to Reykjavik in five years' time, somebody may have taken over that. No, but it's great fun because loads of friends like uh, say to me, I'm going to Lisbon. Can you send me your love heart list? And I go, and you can actually send it to people. Yes. So look, everyone's wanting it now. Yeah. Uh, but it's quite good fun. Do you know, if I, I yeah. like it when somebody tells me where they live and I go, oh, now, have you been to that restaurant? They go, how do you know about that restaurant? That only opened two weeks ago. Well, that's what it is. Well, Love Heartless, Google Maps. Well, I think this is inspiring. I thought it was a slightly narrow because, you know, yeah, Google yeah, Maps is all part of smartphones and apples and, and all that. And, yeah. and, you know, all the various bits. Of, we now carry around on our phone more computer power than it took to go to the moon or whatever I, I remember when I started stand-up comedy I thought the iPhone was built for me because I remember doing gigs in London and thinking right I had to take um, an iPod to play music on stage mm. I had to take an A4 sheet of the things I'd written down that I was doing my set list yeah. I had to take a map to get to the place um, I had to take like I had a, a, an organiser like an iPack I think it was called with all the information of who I had to mm. speak to and suddenly invited somebody invented the iPhone I thought wow this is, this is from, a, from a comedian's point yes. of view that's everything on one yeah. thing so but it was the Google Maps yeah. that stood out to me. So it, initially, that sounds like a really square, boring choice, doesn't it? It sounds like no, it's, a, no, it's an inspiring that? choice. It's very good. But along the way, you've mentioned in part, oh, you've, you you perform here, perform there. So you've mentioned a variety of uh, English speaking places. But do you also 
appear in non-English speaking cities? You would be surprised. Mm. The president of Estonia <laughs> said that I was his second favourite comedian and I didn't have the heart to ask who the first yeah. was. <laughs> He's probably some diplomatic reason he has to name an Estonian I comedian. Know, so you're honestly, probably really the favourite I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't imagine when you do something like stand-up comedy. I would never have imagined it would have allowed me to travel the way it does. Yeah. And we went and did this tour and anything ended in Enia or Onia. I think we went to Bulgaria, we went to um, Estonia, we went to Transylvania, the yes. home of the Chicky Girls, <laughs> and we played in a football stadium, um, and someone from my hometown was there. I mean, I thought, God, this world's bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's such a fascinating job to do for a living. But yeah, um, and of course, I, I slow things down, because when I'm doing the Edinburgh Fringe, I think, I don't know if anyone's seen me before, but I'm very indulgently Scottish, and I use a lot of Scottish language, and, and I think it's funny, I love Scottish language, but yeah, when I tour, I have to, when I go to Australia, for example, I have to really modify it. So, all right. So yeah, it's um, it's exciting. Yeah. You know, gigs in Kuala Lumpur and yeah. Singapore. I mean, you would, are these you expats coming in the way? Yeah, Andy actually, Stewart yeah, those gigs. The they're days. very specifically yeah. expats. Yeah, that's women who used to be called Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, expat gigs. Yeah, so they're they're quite fun. That's yeah. why you. That's but in Bulgaria, for example, like. You know, I just you, you go there thinking, how on earth is this going to go down? And it was me and a guy called Jimmy McGee, ironically, a very English comedian with a very yes. Scottish name. Yes, and uh, me and him. And and now, what's interesting about Bulgaria in Sof- I think it was Sofia. The audience are all 26. They're all young, 26 or under, because their English is so sophisticated that they actually understand the structure of a joke. Mm-hmm. And I think they're very proud of themselves for, for having such a good knowledge. Because it's yeah. one thing speaking in English. Yeah, it's another jokes, thing yeah. having the, uh, the knowledge of a joke yeah. and why that's funny. And You might get a bit of a boost there because people's trying to, because sh- the way people do in England or in Scotland when there's a foreign language film on, uh, some pe- people laugh very loudly. They say, oh, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, pretending, oh, yeah, pretending yeah. to laugh. So they're all laughing at you, going, oh, I <laughs> bet no, that's funny. And, what was interesting was they treated you like a rock star because it was so exciting that you'd come all the way from the UK yeah. or from Scotland and, and especially with me wearing my kilt. It was a wee novelty. I don't think they'd particularly seen that. Um, so, yeah, it's quite good fun. That's um, right. that's the lovely part of my and job. And they enjoyed seeing your wee novelty anyway. So the, <laughs> so the, It's uh, not a wee novelty. <laughs> that woman knows. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Google Maps. Uh, surprisingly interesting Surprising. uh, wonder, I would say. But uh, the next one is perhaps more relatable to uh, more people in the world singing. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I almost forgot what the next one was going to yeah. be. Um, yeah, I mean, I was just trying to list things that give you joy in life. And I'm always really curious. I don't know if you can sing or not. I'm always really curious. If you sing and the noise that comes out isn't pleasant, um, would you get the same joy from it? Because the reason I love singing is because I like the, the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. So if I start singing and you know, I'll be like, oh, my, I, I just it makes me feel like I'm letting go of yeah. something, and it always has. What sort of singing do you like doing? Um, well, I mean, I mean, like, do you sing in church? Are you a pop singer? Are you a, uh, an op, you know, no, operatic? Always, if you had a no, chance? when I first started stand up comedy, I yeah. used to do Julie Andrews um, uh, uh, sings punk songs, yeah, right. and then I used to do Shirley Bassey sings The Smiths. <laughs> Uh, because that's what made my friends laugh. Yes. And I was always someone who loved singing. And I used to be in bands when I was younger. Yeah. And I, it's funny because someone once asked me, if you had the choice between losing your ability to be funny, which one assumes one has, um, <laughs> or your ability to sing, which one would you choose? And I said, oh, I couldn't lose the ability to sing, which yes. is really strange given my job. Yeah. But it, it gives me so much joy. I yes. think it's... Uh, 
I think it's a real passion. And sometimes I'll just phone up my friends and say, do you mind if I sing to you? Oh. <laughs> how cheesy is that? Yeah. But yeah, the, thing, the kind of stuff I, like for example, when I was young, I don't know how we were exposed to this. And I come from East Kilbride, a kind of um, new town outside mm. uh, Glasgow. Yeah. We you never up, hear of West Kilbride, do you? Well, it's, it's funny because I met, I did, I did a gig the other week and this guy, I said, is anyone from East Kilbride? And this guy said, I'm from West Kilbride. And I, <laughs> pretended to care yeah and um <laughs> it wasn't what i asked yeah but um um but yeah for for some reason growing up in east Kilbride, we listened to motown i don't know how on earth i was exposed mm. and one of my favorite songs was uh, a, a christmas um christmas in motown really bizarre lyrics by stevie wonder and uh what was it he used to sing uh um i'm trying to think of it what was it was it, it was um, one day at Christmas, men will be boys playing with bombs like kids play with toys. What the hell? <laughs> That's the lyrics of that song. But it was so beautiful. Yeah. And I think I was exposed to, and because I had a big family, so my, one brother would listen to Motown, one brother would listen to The Smiths, my mum listened to Philomena Begley, mm. um, an Irish singer, and then somebody else would listen to Slade. So I was exposed to a lot of music right. um, when I was young. But the ones that stuck with me were Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah. Vaughan yeah. and, uh, and Barbara Streisand because I'm gay and uh, and Shirley Bassey so anyone who could really sing yeah. and I remember Barbara Streisand was interviewed once and they asked her like they said you because she didn't train as a singer which is amazing given her beautiful her voices and they said how can you sing like that and she answered really simply she said because I want to and I thought that's a really good answer that's how I would just that's right. how I would describe my love of singing yeah. it it's just a desire to I don't even care if anyone's there I would as somebody once said to me somebody well I was about to go into too much detail let's just <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I met somebody once who said why do I get the impression if I wasn't here you'd still be doing that and I said because I would be so I was singing when, we're still talking about singing are we well, <laughs> no yes I was singing in, yeah. in an environment yes. What about you? Um, you after said someone Ju special. You said Julie, Julie Andrews doing punk songs. I'm not going to do, <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> Such okay, a long okay. time. Yeah. No, but I used to have this thing where it was I was obsessed with because I, I suddenly noticed that Julie sang mm. in a very English accent yeah. and she always sounded like she had never had sex. <laughs> she had this lovely innocence about her and her voice, and so I would kind of impersonated her as a bit of a joke yeah. it wasn't like a proper impersonation it was just for fun but yeah so and it, that, singing has just been a passion for me yeah. for years I think I'll do that for you even when it stops to yeah. sound pleasant I'll continue well uh, I wouldn't claim to have a good singing voice but every now and then I'm uh, people say well you're seven wonders and every now and then I slot in music as a wonder I just to listen to or to sing well just because I, I introduce a lot of musicians I meet a lot of musicians but I don't really understand how music works I've yeah. no, I, I my musical education stayed about the level of a seven-year-old or an yeah. eight-year-old so I'm the, the equivalent of a sort of going through school and being an illiterate at the end of it and then you're surrounded by writing and reading you never get so music for me is in that category so for me that it makes it a wonder so it's well, not because it I think it's something I can do but I I wonder at people's ability to affect my emotions yeah. with music well with, I mean with, you're yeah. absolutely right to be mesmerized by yeah. that because that is amazing isn't it you think yeah. how could how could they know me the way they know yeah. me through that yeah. song and I used to be in a band, uh, lots of different bands, but my favourite band was me and one particular guy, uh, and we used to write our own songs. And 
that improvisation, that idea where somebody picks up a guitar yeah. and you sing whatever comes into your head, that for yes. me is the greatest joy. Yeah. And I've recently, he's actually coming to see my show tonight. Right. I've recently got back together with him and I've decided that I'd love to do that purely for the passion of doing it. I mean, right. I, I would write, I'd like to write and yeah. I don't even know if it would matter too much if anyone particularly yeah. enjoyed it. I would do it for the joy of it. So what was your band? Let's, I hope he was called Dale. So we were called you, Desmond, oh, actually. Desmond. I, I'm going to have you as Hill and Dale or something. Hill and okay. Dale. Or no, no, no. We were, ben and Hill or something. I think we were called Desmond because that was our favourite sitcom in the 80s remember that sitcom the Desmonds yeah, yes, yeah. it was set in a hairdresser yes yeah okay yeah. the hairdresser but yeah. yeah so I yeah. think we just thought it was a, a kind of cool name so we did mm. it so. okay alright well uh, singing but singing is a sort of a, a joy to you to hear other people singing singing yourself but it's also a little bit in your profession it is listening to other people but it's much more the joy doing it yourself. of yeah, what it makes you feel like yeah. I can't believe I don't know if everyone can relate to that but I can't believe what it makes you feel like it's so expressive yes. I, I really love it ready to pop the question the jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So we're going to go on to your next wonder, which is planes. Aeroplane. I know this again. This sounds. I, I think I'm a square. Um, I, a plane sounds like a really boring one as well. But I think it's because uh, when I was, um, well, I was a hairdresser in the eighties, and I was on a YTS, a youth training scheme, and I never had any money. I was always so skint. Do you know? I, I remember. Of course, you don't really get much money when you're a hairdresser. And then I was an actor. They're paid well, mm. and uh, I remember being unemployed and not having much money, and sometimes working, sometimes not working, and so I never. I was obsessed. With wanting to travel and I never thought I would get to travel mm. um, and I, I wasn't on a plane till I was 26 mm. and I went to Mykonos uh, and it was like I mean, it sounds really weird, it, going to another world. It was going to another world. It was Greece. And, and it was the most it, it was the most exhilarating thing I'd ever done. Mm. And and I, it gave me a... I, for some reason, when I first went to Europe, I expected it all to look like, like England or, or, or mm. Scotland or Wales. And... Uh, <laughs> And it was so exciting to see what other countries looked like and see and discover their cultures. And I think I feel really privileged to have grown up in a generation where we we can afford to travel because I don't think um, my mm. parents' generation would have been able to do that. I think in the 70s, it was expensive to travel and yeah. only people with a wee bit of money could, could travel or it was a big treat. Yeah. So I think um, travel has been the great joy of my life. So and um, it's maybe not specifically the being in planes, but it's traveling and uh, planes, I said specifically because it's traveling to other countries that I find the most stimulating and I think what a world that we live in that we can see and I'm very lucky because I didn't know stand-up comedy would take 
I didn't expect, I, I, I didn't try to do stand-up comedy. I didn't know I was going to do it. One of my friends um, phoned the Gilded Balloon 24 years ago and yeah. booked a gig for me without telling me. Gilded Balloon here? Yeah, yeah, and that's how I started. She she phoned the Gilded Balloon and said, my, I think my friend's funny. Yeah. And then she told me and I didn't know anything about it. And I said, what will I do? And she went, I don't know, the rest is up to you. So how long how long did you do in that first? I did four minutes. Four minutes? Yeah. yeah. Four well, minutes. that can be a long four minutes if you've not done it before. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I remember do you remember the, your first gag or I, anything like that? Yeah. I did Julie Andrews singing pop songs straight <laughs> Away. Yes. Because I thought I have to do what makes my friends laugh, and they always laughed at that. And it was quite interesting because I remember the first guy going on, it was two guys before me, and they didn't really get much, and then I didn't get anything. And then instead of making me nervous, I just thought, well, if I don't get anything, then I'm just the same, that's mm. fine. And then I got something, and I thought, oh, and honestly, um, I don't know if anyone has ever tried to do stand up comedy. It's quite weird to talk about now because it's my job, but at the time, it was the scariest thing you could ever imagine doing, but the most excited I'd ever yeah. been in my whole life. And I thought, I think you should do things that scare you from now on. And that's why I started yes. stand-up comedy. But I never would have imagined it would have allowed me to travel no. to Australia, to yeah. you know, to stand on Sydney Harbour Bridge. And I just thought, God, my my um, you know, granddad would never believe I got to do this. So I think I, I think I just felt very lucky to yeah. have travelled so much with a with well, a I'll, fun I'll job. Come back to the travel if we may, but the, the just that, that talking about doing stand up coming coming on after somebody else. Uh, there's a sort of perfect amount of a response that the person before you should get. I mean, if, if it's completely dead and the, the audience is really annoyed, then that's not great because you've got to start. But if they're absolutely storming it, and, oh, God, he's fantastic. Oh, now you on. That's, well, uh, I, that's, it's funny yeah. because you really have that, that. I find that I'm glad you asked that question because it's psychologically, that's a really interesting game yeah. you play with yourself. So I, um, I try not to be too involved in the gig before I come on because you can't, yeah. You can't really get your head into that space. So if, if I'm ever speaking to a young comedian who's nervous, I always say, um, you're not going into their world. They're coming into yours. So don't oh, don't right. ever apologize for you. Well, don't half do your world. You can only be the comedian you are. Uh -huh. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. But it better not be because you didn't commit. Yeah. So I just think relax and do what you do. And some people will like it and some people yeah. won't. And that's fine. So so anyway, but going back to planes, so that it's the opportunity to go to other places. I got a golden age that we... Perhaps coming to an end now. As, as well, what, yeah, and as, you know, people are much more environmentally going. aware about yeah, whether you should yeah, be doing that as yeah. well. But you remember that? So you were 26 when you were first on a plane. Um, I was only a bit younger. I was about 15, I think, when I went on my first plane journey. Oh, really? And, I, and the thing I always think about when the planes take off, I was thinking how exciting it was that first year. I was only flying from London to Paris. So yeah, it was exactly going but to I the. Mean, end. I think but that it was that thing of of getting faster and faster and faster, and then for some reason a plane gets off the ground. Doesn't what? I know know what the, the, the science you, I mean, is we, but it we, doesn't make sense you're right you're right we yeah. should we should be shocked by that every yeah. time it happens i mean yeah. and and what a privileged perspective i remember flying to australia and there's something about long-haul flying that makes you really emotional yeah maybe it's the alcohol yeah. um but you know how <laughs> like the film you're watching you again. yeah or the yeah. film you're watching you yeah. but you know there's something about being stuck in a, a plane for 13 hours and i find it really therapeutic it's, i mean how how many times in life could you get away with doing absolutely nothing for 13 mm. hours and there's something about that privileged perspective over the clouds you think somebody invented something that made this happen yeah. and, and and i'm grateful for it because yeah. we would never see that if somebody clever hadn't made that happen do you know that astonishing statistic if you say what how long is it maybe some of the audience will know this even if, if you may or may not how how many years are, are there between the wright brothers doing their first flight and uh, flying to the moon, the flight to the moon. How many well, years? Well, I'm going it? to guess. Um, why do I think it was it's 1913 probably... to 1969? So I'm going to guess it's 
I don't know why I've got 1913 in my head. I, I've got to do math now, haven't I? 69 yeah, yeah, yeah. verses, th- verses yeah. um, minus yeah. um, 13 is your actual 70. Sorry, 56? Yeah. You're getting, you're, you're, the ambassador's getting right, but the answer's wrong. Does anyone 56, have to know? It's, it's, a good, it's a good pub quiz. 56 years. Is, you're not quite right, but it's close enough. It's 66 years, which is an astonishingly short time from nobody being able to, to fly to being able to fly to the moon. It is, uh, and flying yeah. heavy, big... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And heavy, big objects like rockets. Yes. And as yeah. you say, you can fly on a huge plane all the way around the world to Australia. In, you yeah. know, it's, it's and I think there. airports, um, you know, have that. The, the, I, I, there's a positivity about, you know, well, not at the moment, because <laughs> some people get them get told to go home. But, um, you know, there's that, there's that kind of sense of, again, they're emotional. You're either meeting people or saying goodbye to people or you're going on an adventure. Mm. And that sense of promise. I think yes. that's what I like about flying. Well, that was I Richard Curtis's it. idea, of, you know, with um, that, that film when it's not forwarding the funeral. What's the one? Love, Love Actually. Yes, Love Actually. Love Actually, because it's all the happy meetings at airport. But uh, is it a hap- now, if you think about journeys, especially, let's say, a, a sort of journey you're talking about going to Greece, you've got to factor in the, the two hours to get to the airport, the three hours to queue at the airport, yeah. uh, having you take all your, you know, your belt off and be inspected. And you have to forget all that for the next time you want to go away because yeah. he wouldn't do it it's a bit like childbirth you I know, I've forget start- all the all the nastiness uh, for the benefit that comes later i'm sure it's exactly like childbirth yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well exactly the two people should be discussing it but <laughs> I, 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 I am that kind of person who sits yeah. on the tram on the way to the airport who's already untying the shoes already put, taking the belt off not not in public yeah. but in putting them back because i try to make it as as stressless as yeah. possible because it is it potentially stressful oh, I, find, but I try to yeah. I tr- and I try to disappear if, if I'm getting on at gate 7 I'm at gate 5 I don't want to be I, I find it quite peaceful I want to does that mean you fly to the wrong places <laughs> no it means I, I'm the last person on the plane I try yeah. to be the last person on the plane because yes. I just I just want it to be calm oh but all that sort of queuing people stand I up can't be bothered stand with up the as queuing. the plane is, is landing no I can't be bothered why do you want to stand there for yeah, 10 minutes it's before too stressful why do you want to queue up before it, it, I remember once name seat. It doesn't you've matter. just reminded me me and my friend we always play this kind of let's be the last person person on the plane and we're watching other people thinking god they look quite stressed i wouldn't mm. be standing in that queue for 40 minutes and one time i said oh let's just let's i don't even care if we sit together it doesn't matter as long as we mm. just get on the plane we don't have to do all the queuing and we basically watched people getting stressed going mm. excuse me do you know like i've paid for speedy boarding um getting themselves stressed and i thought oh don't do that and uh, we watched them and at the very last minute we were the last people on the plane and it turns out we weren't getting on the plane we were getting on the bus which mm. meant we were the first people on the plane <laughs> and they hated us <laughs> i've never felt more guilty Absolutely, in my life yeah. we sat in seats one and two and i said i can't even look at them i can't even look at them when they come in i was mortified so it's the journey you like and the, the planes provide that rather, yeah. rather than necessarily an yeah, it's not necessarily like would, an you know, would you know anything about the plane no 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 I wouldn't be like a plane spotter the, no no I yeah. wouldn't be like somebody who would know well that's an A16 mm. I just made that up yeah. um, no I wouldn't know that I wouldn't, I'm not obsessive like that but it's more the, yeah, it's more what they do for you okay alright well but again it's a wonder I can see they are wonderful things they are they're slightly incomprehensible just a slight difference in shape of the top and bottom of the wing means you can fly to Australia seems, seems unlikely it does. But it seems to work. I think everyone on the plane has to believe that flying works. If the majority of people on the plane don't believe it anymore, that's when you have plane crashes. So that's, uh, that's why because that's they weld it. Yes, it's in some way because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How you're able to relax in that situation when if you stop to think about yeah. it, it would overwhelm you. Yeah. All right. 
Now, your next wonder is... Oh, look is at your face. I can it, see your face it's already. A puzzler. It's a puzzler. It's lists. Yeah, lists. this again, 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 again. I th- again, I th- I'm much more boring than you would imagine. Um, well, it's interesting. The reason I wrote lists is... Again, during lockdown, I spoke to lots of people who, you know, some people found it really difficult. Some people um, who'd never had to create structure in their lives before um, suddenly didn't know what to do with free time. Mm. And I think uh, I think creating structure is really important. I think it's good for your mental health and that sense of um, knowing what you want to do with your day, especially when you're given lockdown and there was there was nothing to do with your day. So you had to you basically had to be um, to practice control over your life you had to create structure yourself and i've always been a bit of a kind of listy bit like i'm actually embarrassed by my list like my, my phone has alerts that go off and my friend goes oh what's that is that bins out and it is yeah. and uh it's, it's, I, I i'd be embarrassed to show someone how listed my life is so no i just i think it uh, I think it's to do with doing stand-up comedy. It's to do with them. Um, I've never had a normal job. Yeah. So I've not had to be, well, I mean, you know, I've not had a Monday to Friday, nine to five, had to go to a place. Mm. So I, I learned as a comedian that I had to create structure myself. Yeah. So I think the sense of achievement when you get through the things you want to do. And I think if I didn't do that, everything would take longer and I'd feel a little bit lost and I'd be behind and everything. I think my life would be stressful without lists. Yeah. People would find, some people find lists um, stressful. But um, so I, when I'm on holiday, I'll have, I'll have a rough list of things I want to do. I mean, mm. I, you know, my friends are going, we don't have to do everything on the list. <laughs> um, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll allow myself to be spontaneous. Mm. But um, no, I, I find lists quite therapeutic. I, I find the idea of going through them. And also as a comedian, if you think about it, when you have a show and you've written all these uh, pieces of material and you put them all together, you're trying to connect them to make them into a story. And when I'm on stage, this is a kind of weird thing to reveal to an audience, but I can see the A4 sheet in my, while I'm chatting to the audience and I'm editing while I'm talking. Oh, that's brilliant. And if you can I'm, see the list in your mind. I can see the list. Yeah. It's like a photographic thing. And I yeah. know... Uh, for example, in my show at the moment, I know um, uh, You'll Never Be Lonely, a bus stop in Glasgow is down there and Elvis Presswick is up there about Elvis landing in Presswick. So I know that. Um, so lists are really important for me to know what I'm doing. Um, mm. a, a physical lists as a set list, but also uh, just day to day. I like I like yeah. having a, a realistic idea of how long it takes you to get anywhere. I think I think I, I spend my whole life trying to make sure your life isn't stressful, and that's the lists right. actually help. So, do you have a to do list? You know, this this today or during the course of this Saturday, I've got to put the bins out. I've got to uh, water such and I don't yes, know. Yes, I, do, I mean, got, yeah. I wish I, yeah. I, I'm so, but it actually says in my it does say in my phone today water plants. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Because if I because I've got a garden and I'm away quite a lot and I think if I if I I think I'm one of these people if I don't write things down I don't do them yeah and I've learned that over the years so and sometimes there'll be most of the time I would probably remember the list it doesn't really matter yeah. but I think again it's to do with technology is it's the phone and it's yeah. the calendar so the list is mainly in there with it, alerts and it, stuff it's interesting you put that on I asked you to produce a list of seven wonders and in the course of producing that list you listed list as yes as a i did yes i did and yeah. what was really funny before i before i came here i um i rewrote that list uh from a typed list to a handwritten list yes because i thought well if clive asked me i'm going to have to prompt myself to remember why i chose these so mm. i think i think there's something psychological about um 
it, things go in your head and they stay in your head more. And I think yeah. as a comedian, I think you learn your script yes. and your your lines by some. You know, like some people say, "Why would you hand write a set list after all these years when you could type yeah. it out?" And I think it's because um, you. You, you remember the structure of your your jokes and your lines mm. more. So I think less than maybe maybe specifically to comedians are, are quite well, important. Well, the only the only thing equivalent I would have, and it's not really for me to talk about me, but the, the, so when I'm I often interview people and they've uh, they've published a book, uh, so I can only do that. Or the way I have to do it really is I read the book and I make a note every now and then in the book of interesting things, and I make the note of the page number. Afterwards, I then have to type out all the page numbers and write a word or two about each of those things. And I almost never look at that list when I'm interviewing the person. Yeah. That process of putting it fixes. Otherwise, I could read a book and I'd come think, oh, God, yeah, I read your book. Quite like, I can't remember a darn thing about it. But well, that it's process. Well, that's uh, interesting because if you concentrate too too much on the list, you, you lose the ability to be free mm, and communicate. So yeah. it's like when you're on stage, I'll sometimes, for the first few nights, I'll maybe I, I used to have a set list that was kind of hidden, but it was there somewhere. Yeah. And, and then it became, I realised I never had the chance to, yes. to look at it anyway. But it's a comfort blanket it's as well, though, to blanket. know it's yeah, there. So it's just, just there. So if you ever yeah. kind of thought, oh, my God, what was that thing about Elvis and Pret and Depressment? You could see it, but most times you can't really see it. So. Is it sometimes, though, putting off the work? I'm going right back to school days. The thing that... I'm definitely you know, that person. Re the revision, you know, the revision time. Well, first of all, there's still a revision plan. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly the kind of thing. person. Yeah, but it, work, it, it does work for me because I'm more likely to do it if I structured it. So. Yeah. So but you spent two I, hours you know, drawing up a, a plan. Yeah, my, yeah, you, you could have spent two hours. My friend actually, said exactly. He said yeah. you would spend more time writing the list of things to do. You'd never get around to things to do. Yeah. But um, but that, is, that isn't what happens now. I think, yeah. I, I, think uh, I think I get more done uh, by having things listed. Like, yes. All the things you can't do during the fringe in your house. You know, all those things you think, oh, my God, I've got all those. I've got a whole pile of stuff that I need to, you know, things that need to be framed and put on walls and things that right. are just little boring chores. OK, we've, got, we've done lists. We uh, this, this having to go through seven gifts as a, you know, uh, is, is it a list and we're following it and it's, it's demonstrating well done, the use of it. So uh, the sixth list is going out for breakfast. I know, again, sounds really boring, but... Um, from a comedian's point of view, the yeah. one thing we don't get to do when we travel is go out for dinner. Mm. Well, I mean, I do in my normal life. Um, this isn't normal life. Uh, but you know, like what you're, when you're working, you're working in the evenings quite a lot. So I've had to change my joy. My joy has had to become breakfast. Yeah. And I think um, when you're in another city, like if you're in Nottingham or mm. you know Leeds or whatever, Birmingham, um, you've got your gig in the evening and you've got your little routine uh, mm kind of mid-afternoon and I see people going out to pubs and I see them all you know they have fun in the same time that we're working mm. we're the person entertaining and, and they're going out for entertainment um, and so the time that you feel most free uh, without any pressure you can allow yourself not to think about the gig is mm. um, in the mornings until lunchtime so I started um, again with my little love heart list yeah. doing a lot of research about bread and then I just realised I think, I think I'm a breakfasty person I think I absolutely love eggs of any sort yeah. and uh, and then I started finding it for, I thought I'm going to find the best eggs Benedict and then my friend's a chef so I regularly sent him I don't print it anywhere I just send him my breakfast reviews oh, right. ambience 
attitude. <laughs> do you know, like yeah. I, I kind of go, oh, oh, they were grumpy this morning. Um, do you know, I will, I'll, and, and I'll send him, he'll say he wants photographs yeah. of the eggs. Benedict, it's usually eggs Benedict. That's usually so where would, where would you recommend in Edinburgh for uh, eggs Benedict? Uh, we, uh, weirdly, I would recommend, uh, I, I don't know why I said weirdly, but I think it's because it's been there forever. Um, there's a place on Broughton Street called the Olive Branch. All right. And they've consistently done a beautiful eggs benedict for years on a muffin. I don't know what they do to that sauce. I don't know if it's a homemade hollandaise. <laughs> There'll be some chef who's yeah. better than that. I said, well, my goodness, we yeah. do a homemade hollandaise. I can't believe you advertise that. But whatever they do, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, oh, breakfast is a new place. Oh, oh let's all yeah. go together. Yeah. There's, um, the, I, the thing I get most excited about, and this is why I chose this, because your wonder should make you feel the way I'm feeling right now. You, sh- you should be joyous and you should want yes. to share. And there's a new place at the very top of Leith Street in Edinburgh called Noon. Now, they've just opened in this building, a beautiful building. And I don't remember ever noticing that building before, but my God, I don't know who they are, but my God, they specialise in fantastic breakfasts. So I've been there. If you go there... I'll be next to you. I'm obsessed with that place. So I love finding new places um, for breakfast. Um, And I like doing that all over the world. And I have to say the place, I don't know if there's any Australians in, but the Australians, I think, the Australia is the best place I've ever been for breakfast in my life. Because I think... They, they specialise in breakfast and they don't get away with having a mediocre breakfast. The, the ingredients are beautiful. Mm. They seem to really change it up. They've got, they're really creative and imaginative. I think they treat it as like it's, like it's, um, like it's an evening restaurant. Yeah. So their breakfasts are the ones that I've been most blown away with. And of course, the reason I would know that is because that's more likely where I would be for a three-week festival. So that would be a lot of breakfasts. You know. Yeah. So, so my knowledge of breakfast is mainly in a place that I'm there for quite a while. I remember in, uh, in Kuala Lumpur, I used to do a gig for the Scottish Society of Kuala Lumpur. They're oh, called right. the St Andrews Salangor um, uh, Society. And on the way back from Australia, if anyone knows you're in Australia and you're working, you're doing the festivals, they say, oh, could you come over and host a burn supper or something? Oh, right. And that's good fun. It's, you know, it's, in, it's a kind of half Scottish expats and a half Malaysian audience. It's lovely. Yeah. And um, they would put us up in something like, um, I don't know, some hotel, but the hotel was much more international breakfast-wise. I found that fascinating because yeah. there were people from all over the world and you started to learn what they had for breakfast, but they weren't on our um, palate. No. They were too savoury for me in yeah. the morning. Well, even sort of like Dutch or Germany will have cheese and things. Yeah, like, exactly. We eat cheese the rest of the, the, the day, but what, you think, well, cheese is a bit weird for Oh, it's all wrong, yeah. cheese and yeah. ham in the morning. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and, uh, and scrambled eggs. Um, folded yeah. eggs. I've since learned about that. Someone folded their eggs in front of me recently. <laughs> I think it's a slightly less scrambled eggs. It's moist and gorgeous. So. You still go for it. Yeah. I still yeah. go for it. I love the, it. The other thing, you, uh, maybe this makes me a bit of a loner, but for, for you know, I, oh, well, I'm not a loner, but you know, I find it, you know, I don't really want to go out for lunch or dinner on my own, but breakfast, I'm yeah. quite happy to go I into. I totally it. agree with yeah. you. You feel much more comfortable. Yeah, it seems reasonable. Got, and I love yeah. it when I get it right. I was in Nottingham a few weeks ago and I think the place was called Toast or something. And I just, I looked at it online. I got, and I was like, this, I love the way it looked. I love the menu. I could tell by the sound of it. I thought, oh, they're using Rose Harris, excuse yeah. us. And then I went, I met this couple standing outside. And if there's a queue outside, that's always a good sign. Yes. And this couple said, how did you know about this place if you're not from here? And yeah. I said, it's just a little bit of reset. Love heart list. Yeah. So, um, and they said, well, you chose really well. This is one of the nicest places in okay. Nottingham. So, Craig, we've got to keep you. moving. Keep going, we, my goodness. We're going to overrun. When I, was, I told you a Scotsman would talk too much. Uh, <laughs> When is I've never heard the theory that Scotsmen talk too much. Oh, really? My, I've, oh, I know a lot of Scotsmen. We absolutely love the sound of our own father. voice. He, he didn't talk too much. <laughs> Maybe it was me. Maybe it's me specifically. <laughs>
I just talk too much. Uh, quite, quite, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm sure there's some Scotsman here, but it quite, <laughs> can be quite dour. And, uh, yeah, I'm not one of those. <laughs> I'm not one of those. Yes. Okay. Last, li- last one on your list, last wonder, and it's dancing. I know, I know. That sounds like a really um, uh, gay choice. Uh, but um, again, I, I, you know, people always think I'm on drugs. And I never am. And I'm always the last person. Do you know, I remember going to Sitges in Spain and do you know, me and my friend were dancing till like four in the morning and somebody was saying, Mike, what have you taken? I said, it's called life. And I just think I find, I think I'm at, I'm at my most euphoric uh, when I'm dancing. I think mm. it's the most I ever let go. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything in when you're physically letting go as much as that. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's just really good for you. Maybe you let go of more than you realize. Maybe it's really good for all your, all your stress. But I find myself, I lose myself uh, mm. when I'm dancing. I think I get such joy from dancing. And I don't know if anyone's seen me, but I dance on stage. I come on dancing on stage. And that's partly to disarm the audience a wee bit, you know, so that they kind of go, oh, I think you might be yeah. homosexual. Mm. Um, <laughs> you know, just in case anyone doesn't know what they've come to see, yeah. it really gives you a flavor immediately. Yeah. And I th- for some reason, it seems to make people smile. There's something quite fun about watching somebody really go for it on a dance yeah. floor. So um, I think I, I, yeah, I think I, I find it's, it's where I let go the most. So this dancing, you're doing it to four in the morning. That's it's sort of. Uh, it, you're, it's formal ballroom dancing. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, hang on, you should be on Strictly Come do, Dancing. Do I know I, I probably should. I would yeah. love to do Maybe that. Maybe you're going to be either announcing well, them gradually. You might be the last Maybe one I've kept on. it a secret. I hardly yes. think so. But, yeah. um, but well, no. I just heard today Tony Adams, who's used as a footballer, he's on Strictly next series. And you must be a better dancer than he is. Well, so I love the fact you think a gay man would know anything about a footballer. I'm talking to you. I'm involving the audience. But anyway, no, yeah. No, I, I, I do think I, 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 I mean, I really take my hat off to the people on Strictly because that looks particularly difficult because yeah. it's very, very, very choreographed yeah. and it's a lot of hard work. And you're criticised immediately. Yeah, but, and I yeah. think it's funny because I think um, Strictly would be really hard. I, mean, I think what I'm talking about is uh, the dancing where it's totally up to you. It's free. Yeah, yeah. You let you do whatever you want to do. But I mean, I think I'm at, I think that's the most excited I ever get. Well, not always. Uh, <laughs> the most excited I get is on a dance floor. Yeah. I think that's the most I uh, express myself. And yeah. so during a kilt, do you do you know Scotch country dancing or no, or no, no? Like I, I was in Burns Night suppers. Do you does it break into a bit of a Kaylee? Well, afterwards? I mean, it's funny because I, I was at a wedding a few weeks ago, and uh, yes, I did do all the the Kaylee yeah. dancing in a kilt. But I mean, I love I love doing Latino in a kilt because it's such a quick spin. I was doing this <laughs> in, in a really posh restaurant in Edinburgh called yeah. CC Blooms. Yeah. It's a gay bar, and I was dancing the other. <laughs> well, night, everyone seemed to do it anyway. I, I was it. surprised. Yeah. I was very surprised. It says a lot about your audience um, but yeah I was dancing the other night and I was just thinking this is so much fun like because the kilt has this lovely movement about it so mm. I think a kilt lends itself to dancing yes uh, right well um, yes very good I think you've yeah. come round to my oh, oh, my, oh my I've wonders. come round to a lot of them well look we've got to the end of your wonders and uh, I've got to choose the wonder of wonders from your list of seven the one which struck me as particularly wonderful as you described it on the podcast and strangely enough and I didn't expect this to be the one I think uh, so I was very tempted by Google Maps because I think I'm going to be inspired to go and use it to keep a note of good places yeah. and things which I've never done before and I like uh, singing's impressive planes good 
Um, listener, not so much. Uh, but uh, going out for breakfast, I yes. thought you really. I thought you got me anyway, and I think many people in the room that you've that you've inspired us to think that is a rather jolly thing to do. We'll do that. I'll take you to noon. Oh, oh, t- oh take me to noon. That be well. I should take you. So thank you for. <laughs> oh, I've got one. I've got another story about one called Etoile, but I, I can take you there as well. Uh, but anyway, so I wonder if we can uh, give um, uh, Craig Hill uh, a big round of applause for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of My Seven Wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thank you for listening. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a stack production in association with Alaska TV and powered by the Acast Creator Network.